He's from the hard-hitting world of ice hockey. She's from the red carpets of Tinseltown. Together, they are two of the leading executive producers in Hollywood. Responsible for mega hits like Hoosiers, Sudden Death, and the Oscar-winning Ray. A true sports and entertainment power couple. Meet Karen and Howard Baldwin. This is Pucks and Paparazzi with your host, Stephen Maggi. Howard Baldwin has owned teams in the National Hockey League and World Hockey Association. Karen Baldwin has been an actor and TV reporter. This is a real dynamic duo. Now, let's drop the puck and turn the lights. Here's the host of Pucks and Paparazzi, Stephen Maggi. We are back with Howard and Karen Baldwin talking about a movie that they just finished and it's out. You can get it on Hulu. It's called Odd Man Rush. It's a film that's about a book that was written in 2016, uh, Odd Man Rush, a Harvard kid's hockey odyssey from Central Park to somewhere in Sweden with stops all along the way. It's really a great read and a great film. And Howard... It got made in part from your old days as a Harvard alum, right? Explain how that happened. Well, I sure will, but I have to correct you on one thing. I am far from a Harvard alum, okay? <laughs> <laughs> My family on both sides were, were um, you know, Harvard alums. and they're, You had you Harvard know, we, ties, I guess is the right yeah, way to say we, it. Yeah, we, we had strong Harvard ties, but that didn't include Howard. They were smart. They wanted nothing to do with me. But I obviously have a love of the college because my father was a star player at Harvard. He graduated 33, 1933, and still holds a couple of the Harvard hockey scoring records, which I think is pretty cool. This book came to Karen and I out of of the blue, sent to us by a young man named Bill Keenan, who had written the book, and, and he had I guess, gone through the the IMD Pro and looked for the producers that had made hockey movies, and our names came up, and he sent it out of the blue. And just a word about Billy Keenan, we'll talk more about him, but he has become a really very good friend. He's a very good writer and a terrific young man. And we, I read the book, and I like the book because of the story, but also because of the Harvard connection. And Karen then read it, and she liked it, and we went from there. And What I admired is this was a kid that you know graduated from Harvard, um, was obviously super bright, wrote this book based on the experience he had post-Harvard, which was he loved hockey and he wanted to be able to play, wasn't good enough to play in this country. So decided to go over to Europe, played some minor league hockey, um, did it as long as he felt he could get away with doing it. <laughs> and, and then when he came back, um, you know, got a job on Wall Street, um, but wrote a book about his experiences. And I just thought it was it was really cool that the kid, you know, went through this experience and then wrote the book and then really had a lot of hookbutt and got it to us and said, look, I'd like to do a movie. Um, and basically he asked us what do I have to do to make this a movie? Um, and we explained, you know, we got to get this into script form and we got to get a director and talent and then we got to get the financing. Um, and every step of the way, each different step, he said, okay, what has to be done now? What has to be done now? And he just, he really um, came through 
on all fronts. And, you know, we were able to guide him because we had done it before. Um, but basically, it was his determination that helped to get this done. You get a lot of those things. You know, every now and then there's a Rocky in there because I imagine there are hundreds that come in that are just, you know, you don't even look at because the story isn't interesting or what have you. We look at everything. I will say when people send us things, we, we look at everything, which is can be very good because sometimes you find some gems. And it can also be very time-consuming because not everything is a gem. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, Steve, what struck us about this story, um, we tend to look at stories like stories that are triumph of the human spirit. And we also like this story because I, I love people that have a dream and are willing to pursue it. And it doesn't always work out. So then you find another dream okay billy could was a very bright young man and could have had many jobs coming out of harvard but he had a passion to play hockey and by golly he was going to give it a shot and he did and in doing so he learned okay i'm not quite there but at least i tried it and i just love that when somebody's willing to do that because not everything you do is going to work out and when it doesn't work out at least you can look back as you get older and said, you won't have a regret. You won't ever sit back and say, God, I wish I had tried to play pro hockey. He won't have to say that. He said, I gave it my best shot. It didn't work out. And then I took my energies elsewhere. And that's what I love about the story. Do you find a little of yourself, uh, Howard, in Bill? Because, I mean, the WHA worked out. You were a huge success. But uh, the odds weren't great at the beginning. It very well could have failed. And you knew that going in, but you were going to take the shot. So when you see it, do you kind of see a little of yourself in him? Yeah, sure I do. I do. Um, you know, it's kind of what I've done and, frankly, what Karen has done. You, uh, Karen's way smarter than I am. She's She's... College graduate, Phi Beta Kappa, she's got every academic award you can think of. But she also has followed her heart. She can speak to that better than I can, but I at least can say it objectively. And, and that's, we both lead our lives. We keep our, we try to keep our heart and our heads connected. But you also, you will do well at things that you have a passion for. You have a better chance of doing well at things that you have a passion for. And that's what we've tried to do. Well, and the two of you, it strikes me, not only did you get together yourselves, but then you always try to go out and find these people. And your whole thing, your career, you've been very successful on both ends. And part of it are just these connections you make along the way and working with the right people. And that's sort of what he did by finding you guys and saying, all right, I want to learn every aspect of this business and so forth, as opposed to, gee, I have an interesting story. Read it and see if you want to buy it. Yeah, he took he took so much initiative and was so willing and wanting to learn. And I think that's when it's a true story and it's about yourself that you're trying to tell, I think one of the most difficult things is not getting too bogged down in all of the specificity and the details. You know, when you write a book, you have a couple hundred pages and you can talk about how you were feeling, what you were doing. When you have a movie, it's, you know, two hours. <laughs> so yeah. you have to be able to get that story into a format where you're conveying all of that, but in a reasonable time frame. And that was probably the, the most difficult part was taking a script. Initially, um, Bill wanted to, to do a first draft, which he did, and it was very long. 
yeah. um, and sort of explaining, okay, out of like, you know, this multi, you know, couple hundred pages, like what, what is the story? Let's distill it down. And he was very amenable to sort of saying, oh, okay. And sort of taking back, what are the, what are the headlines? And I think that's a tough thing in doing someone's life story if they're involved personally, because they remember every detail. So you really just want to sort of break it down to what are the headlines and what kind of things are people going to be interested in? Not so much, what did you have for dinner last night? And so that was sort of the process on that. And then we had to be able to do it for a price. Um, and it's set in Sweden, and we couldn't afford to do that. Right. So we had to find a place in this country that doubled um, for Sweden, and we wound up in Hamilton, uh, Hamilton College up in, you know, upstate New York, um, which was the coldest I've ever been. It snowed <laughs> every day, and it might as well have been Sweden, but that's how we figured out how to be able to do it and do it for a price. I want to know, like, do, you, do you go back and do a little research and find out, pick a place in Sweden, and you kind of try to make it after that and make the, the buildings the same and kind of the way people move and so forth? I imagine it's a little more complicated than just, okay, it's cold, so this is Sweden. It's more than that, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it is. And there's a couple of things I want to mention here. First of all, we bought in early on as a co-producer with us a young man named Todd Slater. Now, Todd's part of our hockey mafia out here. Um, you may have heard of or read about his father, Terry Slater, who was a coach in the WHA for the Sharks and Stingers and was a great coach at Colgate. And and so, therefore, Todd, who came on board, uh, and Terry sadly passed at a, at a relatively young age. Todd has worked for us and with us for years. And he said, gosh, you know, Colgate and Hamilton would make a great area to film this movie. Um, and, and so, you know, we did a location scout, got a great tax deal and, and was instrumental in putting this together. One other point that you need to know in the opening scene of the movie, there's a very well-known actress that plays a part of Dr. Richardson and in the opening, opening part of the movie. And that young lady is sitting right here in the room with me. Well, yeah, Karen, I mean, it must be fun, too, because you like you still like to perform, right? And get out there and get in front of the. I mean, you know how it all works behind the camera, but you're an actress. so You want to get out yeah. there as well. This, this, this was a lot of fun. And what we tried to do with this, too, for sort of marketing purposes, um, but also because they were really talented, we hired Trevor Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky's son. Um, he has a co-starring role. He came in to read for a very small role. And the casting agent said, wow, he's, you know, this guy's really good. Can we read him for the, for the second lead? And we said, sure, I'm sure he'd be thrilled to read for that. And he got himself that part. And I said, wow, that's really cool, you know. He's Wayne Gretzky's son. And the casting person said to me, who's Wayne Gretzky? <laughs> <laughs> so I told Trevor, you really got this on your own, buddy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... And then Alexa Lemieux, Mario Lemieux's daughter, um, we hired her as well, and she did a great job. Um, we tried to open it up to um, people in hockey. Playfair. Dylan Playfair, uh, who's Larry Playfair is his uncle. Um, Jesse Robitaille, um, who is Luke Robitaille's son, did some of the music. Um, Billy Stewart, who is an NHL referee, <laughs> played a character much like himself. Um, you know, so it was it was really a lot of fun. I mean, Paul Stewart, I'm sorry, I said Billy Stewart. It's Paul Stewart. Billy Stewart is his brother. Paul Stewart is the NHL referee, um, and Paul Stewart played 
pretty much a version of Paul Stewart, which is uh, which is always a fun character to watch on screen. Is it important to to have some of these hockey people? Because I know you do that with hockey movies, and it's just first of all, just them being around, I think, is good for the credibility of of the movie because. These guys are going to know if something's out of place. In the same way that Perry Mason always had like, real judges around and real lawyers read through. That's something you're trying to do, too, because you want to keep the authenticity in something like this. Uh, no question about it, Steve. And it does a few things. One is it gets the word of mouth and the hockey community and the hockey media and the sports media, you know, excited to write about it. I mean, we got on Odd Man Rush more good PR on that movie than on some of the bigger ones we had done, like Mystery Alaska, because of Trevor and Alexa and, and, and um, um, Stewie and, and, you know, the makeup of the supporting cast. Did the same thing on Sudden Death, did the same thing on, um, on Mystery Alaska. And uh, it, just, it just enhances the credibility of the project. There's nothing worse than looking at a sports movie about a sport it can be a great story, but if the sports looks cheesy, yeah. it takes you right out of the story. You've really got to work hard at making the, if it's hockey, making the players look like they really played the game. And if it's, it's basketball, same thing, football, same thing. It's really, really hard, but it's well worth taking the time to do it right. When we were doubling upstate New York for Sweden, we had someone who was from Sweden and she, we did all the signage in Swedish. We made sure that when they went into a store, all the menus were in Swedish and the food that was on the shelf was stuff you could get in Sweden. I mean, I mean, it was, you know, I mean, and those details, um, I think make a real difference, not only to the viewer, but probably to the actor, just puts them in a place of like more authenticity. Yeah, I think so, and I think there's always a certain amount of people out there looking to find those things, you know, like the watch and Ben-Hur and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. You want to You're avoid right. that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All those, the Starbucks coffee cup and Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Ben-Hur, Ben-Hur was, I think, one of the soldiers. They had the Legion of Shoulders, and the guy's got his Ray-Bans on. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what it was. This is embarrassing to say as a USC alumnus, but it was they used the USC marching band at the time, and uh, somebody decided <laughs> to do that. You know, it was a good idea, but they, you know, they should have thought what they were doing. They didn't. I don't think they had Ray-Bans back in the Roman Empire, but yeah, no, and they probably figured, hey, Ma and Dad, I'm the one with the Ray-Bans on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be a trivia question or something. Exactly. <laughs> right. So let's talk about the response to this film. I mean, the, first of all, the book was a big hit. I mean, it was number one in sports books, which is a big deal. It even had cracked into the top 100 books overall. And that is kind of hard to do with sports, believe it or not. So now you make this film, it transfers as well. How's it doing? Uh, the, fil- the film's doing good. It's done particularly well in Canada, and it's, and it's been on Hulu, and I think it's done just when I say fine, I mean that as a compliment. Look, it's a small movie, and and it's come out at a very tricky time during the COVID and all that, so it's been tricky. But we're proud of the movie. It stands on its own two feet and looks good, and, and over time it's going to do very nicely and make its money back. Yeah, it seems like it's got a lot of longevity to it because it, it's it's one of those stories that's timeless. You can enjoy it, and uh, 
as more people get into hockey, and we're seeing it all the time, not just the people that go to the games, but the people that are just taking this up as the sport they want to watch or one of the sports they want to watch, it seems like this is a great thing. When you're looking for a great film, why don't you look up Howard and Karen Baldwin, and you can see some of the films. They're not all hockey films, but they're all great films. And you guys have a theme, and I wanted to kind of finish on that, and this movie sits right into it. I think you mentioned this right in the open, Howard. You guys like to see the person that overcomes adversity and the people that have the passion for it. And it's all through sports. And it's kind of really one of those things where you leave the theater, if you're watching it there or you're at home, you you pull out the CD or the DVD or whatever, or you turn it off and you think, oh, I feel pretty good. Is that kind of what you look for when you're, when you're looking to find these films? Great point, Steve. Um, the great stories, particularly in sports, are stories where the underdog prevails. And if you look at all the top sports movies, whether it be Hoosiers or Mystery Alaska or Rocky, um, um, gosh, I, you know, swimming, some of the ones we've done, but um, Blindside, um, all the stories where something happens that is totally contrary to what should happen. And so you, Miracle on Ice, 1980. And, the, and usually these great stories are the stories where the underdog prevails in a very difficult setting and everybody comes out because most of us are underdogs. Most of us are trying to achieve something wonderful and we try and try and try and it doesn't always happen, but when it does, it's, 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 it's an extraordinary event and you feel wonderful if you tell it right. It's a little easier when it's a true story. Yeah. Um, and these incredible things happen where the underdog wins. When it's not a true story, I mean, we, we went through it a little bit on Mystery Alaska where they were like, okay, well, you have the choice. Either the underdog prevails and wins and it's incredible, which is very cliche, <laughs> that was what we were told, mm-hmm. or they lose, but they lose the dignity and they it's still right. have a sense of pride, which is also cliche. So they pretty much said, Choose which cliche you prefer. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. you know, Karen, you read a lot of scripts, and I'm thinking one thing that comes out of your films, especially these sports films, is nobody ever questions the believability. Because you can tell a true story and still people say, wow, he didn't really say that, or this is ridiculous. Yeah. There is an art to that, right, to writing it in such a way where, hey, that could happen. Yeah, yeah, I think so, and I think a lot of it is in – the authenticity of the script, which is why most people do not realize the importance of the writer and of a really good script. A really good script is like the blueprint of a house. The better that blueprint is, the better the house is going to be in the end. And I think a lot of people don't realize that because film is a very visual medium. So they figure, oh, who's in it? What does the scene look like? What is it? But behind it all are the words on that written page. That were, you know, the first thing that happened to make this, you know, start to become a reality. Do you guys have any script doctors you keep running or you know that you can call that can take a really good story and maybe a decent script and polish it and make it look really nice? Well, there there are writers that will do polishes, but I will say this because Karen won't. She's, She's a script doctor in this company, and she's just, you know, I'll show you at some point, at some point, 
testimonials she's gotten from really good directors and writers saying we would not have been able to bring this the way we did bring it forward without your input i mean she's she's brilliant at it well i appreciate that but that's that's something that i actually take a lot of pride in and it's been over 35 years of a learning experience and i just read everything um i see as much as i can see and i think part of my job is is to try to get good at that. I mean, that's what we are, that's part of the services that we're offering as producers is to make sure that that package that goes out to be sold is is a strong one. Well, you know, Karen, I want to ask you on that then. As you're doing that kind of thing, each of these are stories from different people and so forth. Do you kind of try to get a feel for where they are, you know, as you read all this and you talk to them and try to speak in their voice? Because it really comes, these things are great. I mean, all these films are really good. Everybody that sees them realizes, you know, it's top notch. Is that a part of it? Yeah, I think it's very important for, um, for the writer's voice to come across. And that's what makes certain writers so unique and special. I mean, David E. Kelly is somebody you'd have to say, you know, most people know that name now from all of the incredible work that he's done. And it's because he has a very unique voice. Um, you know, Taylor Sheridan now, if you, if you, if you uh, watch a lot of his shows, we're, we're in the middle of Yellowstone now, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. He has a very specific voice, and that comes across. Um, and I think, again, that comes from passion and sort of genuine and, and being very familiar with the subject matter. So when you're telling somebody about something, you're telling them, from experience, so it comes across as the truth. You know, I wanted to ask you guys, and we'll, we'll end this week on this. Do you find people like, you know, you mentioned some people, Vince Gilligan comes to mind with Breaking Bad, yeah. Better Call Saul. Yeah, And they have, they have a style, right? And yeah. do you think because there's so many different options, it isn't just film, film is one way to go, but you also have a lot of television, streaming, and so forth. This is going to open opportunities for somebody that maybe has a unique style and you just need to get out there and somebody sees it and they tell somebody about it and maybe somebody that wouldn't have even been on the radar before becomes a big hitter. Yeah, I mean, it really, you know, if you look at, at people over time that's happened to, I mean, even Jay Roach, when we hired him for Mystery Alaska, you know, he then went on to do, you know, all the Austin Powers movies, Meet the Parents. <laughs> he had a very specific style and you can kind of see it in Mystery Alaska. Um, and I think with the streaming now, you now have, you know, eight to ten episodes and multiple seasons, so you really can get to know characters, whereas with a movie, you have two hours. Yeah. So it's a little more condensed, it's a little more rushed, but with streaming and some of these limited series, oh my God, I think a writer can have a blast really developing a character and, and having the audience feel like they get to know them. Well, the movie that you want to go see right now that you can, if you go to Hulu, a great streaming service, it's Odd Man Rush. It's a great film, great story about a a guy that maybe you never heard of, but he's got a fascinating tale to tell. Howard and Karen, you guys do it again, and we're going to do it one more time next week. Well, we love doing the show, and look forward to next week. Thanks so much. Next time on Pucks and Paparazzi, the Baldwins share their latest project. It's a family comedy called Harlem Saints, You can think of it as an urban mighty ducks for this generation. For years, the Baldwins have been great believers in the importance of diversity for the sport of hockey, and they had the idea for this project decades ago. That's next time on Pucks and Paparazzi. Thanks for listening. I'm Stephen Maggi. You've been listening to Pucks and Paparazzi. 
Join us next time for a fun, unique look at the worlds of sports and entertainment. Thanks for listening.